Swamiji, I think a lot of people wonder what their purpose in life is. How does one discover his destiny? Well, I'm not sure that we can speak of destiny. Jesus had a mission. I'm not sure many people have that kind of mission or any kind of mission. Can you say it was a person's mission to be a butcher? I can't believe it. I think what we have is karma and things to overcome. But for example, if a person is a very good actor, but acting goes to his head, that maybe he may succeed as an actor, but it may harm him spiritually. Therefore, that would not be the best thing for him to do. It might be good for him to do those things which will help him to be more humble. That is up to the individual. Some people aren't interested in spiritual progress. What you can do well now is usually something you've done well in a relative sense before. I mean, you might be a good actor in one life and a good salesman in another. That's relating two different kinds of profession, and yet somehow still having to convince the other person of the truth of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> try to feel, especially the first six years of a person's life, are you carry more of the f former life with you. And if you look at those first years, what were your tendencies then? What those tendencies were will indicate what you could be more successful at in this lifetime too. So it's easier and better to go the route of, uh, that you've already taken. And you can't be everything. I know this one old woman decided that she wanted to become, she wanted to know God. Therefore, she um, had to become perfect in every way. At the age of 75, she set out to become a millionaire. Well, that's ridiculous. Of course, she never became a millionaire. But it was a ridiculous aspiration. You don't have to be good at everything. Just be good at one thing. It's sort of like a, she a sheet of ice on a lake. It's hard to break through the ice at all points. But if you can break through it at one point by just drilling at that one point, you can get to the water underneath. So also with uh, any work that you do, don't think in terms of becoming all-rounded or everything. Take whatever you're good at and do it better. And the more you develop your own nature, the more you go beyond that nature to the God who is in you. Swami, you spoke of reincarnation. Uh, is it necessary to believe in reincarnation? Well, you can, is it necessary to believe the world is round? No, you can believe it's flat, but it's round. <laughs> so you can believe that there is no such thing as reincarnation. That doesn't stop your coming back if that's what you do. In fact, I'm perfectly convinced that you people do come back. And there are a number of books that are available now quite easily in the marketplace of people who remember past lives, children especially, who remember past lives. Um, under hypnosis, they've undergone that as a memory, but you can't trust hypnosis as well as actual memories. A child who knows that he was murdered in his last life has a birthmark that resembles the place where the bullet went through his chest, let us say, or his head. Goes to the village where he used to live and recognizes his murderer. There are many stories of that nature. Wow. Ian Stevenson was a 
psychiatrist, I believe, or psychologist, who studied many, many cases in different countries. And he found that uh, many were very, you can't explain them in any other way except by reincarnation. One came out recently in America, a very interesting one. This little child was screaming at night. It turned out that he had been a World War pilot in World War II and been shot down over Iwo Jima. And uh, he remembered everything. Well, the thing that was very interesting about it, too, <clears throat> was that he reincarnated soon enough in order to be there when some of the people who were his buddies at that time were still alive. Mm -hmm. His comment to his mother was, Mother, they're old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there are many such cases of reincarnation. And the thing is, if you look at any, any group of people on the streets, how could they develop all those traits? Just DNA is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. All the different attitudes that people have, they've developed that over a long period of time. How, how can people have all these different tastes and des desires over many lifetimes? It, it takes, well, billions of lifetimes, let me put it that way. Once you reach the human level, to reach the human level takes about 8 to 12 million lives, they say. After that, because man has discrimination and free will, he can err in so many different ways, and if this girl won't do, that girl will do, or the other one will. If the man, this man won't suit you, this job won't do it, you'll get a job another way, and get to become rich another way. There's so many different ways of erring. And uh, Buddha said that the reason you should love everybody in this world <clears throat> is that at some time or another, in the vast number of lives people live, You've been close to everybody on this planet. Mm -hmm. I find that hard to believe, but he said it. It's appalling, Swamiji. <laughs> it's uh, appalling. So what is the point of it all, though? I mean, well, millions I tell you, of lives, my God. You've got to realize that it's all a dream of God's. <clears throat> you're nothing but his dream. But as long as you think that your dream is out here and your reality is out here, most people want it. There's some woman heard about reincarnation, came and told a friend, guess what, we get to come back. <laughs> well, you reach the point after many, many lifetimes of this, of anguishing monotony. Hmm. You hear the same old story. Finally, I know in my own life, I reached the point of desperation. Hmm. I just was like a fish out of water. I couldn't stand the thought of hey, not knowing what it was all about. I had to know God. And that's when I met my guru. Swamiji, what a blessing to have met your guru. Do you think that was predetermined or did it come through your free will? Well, it came through. <clears throat> I mean, who's going to do the determination? If somebody else does it for you, I call that not fair. <laughs> you determine it yourself by your own karma. And in your past lives, you have been doing these things, it takes quite a few lifetimes to find God even. It takes many, many lifetimes to reach the point where you will find God. One person said to Yogananda, Sir, sir, I don't think I have very good karma. Yogananda said, remember this, it takes very, very, very good karma even to want to know God. But once you want Him, once you found the Guru, even then you go away again and again. 
and uh, it, it takes time before you realize that no, this when you seek God, it means giving up everything else. And after a while on the spiritual path, many people reach the point where they say, well, gee, money was pretty nice after all. <laughs> so they go back to it. And they go back again and again to this thing and that thing. Finally, they realize there's no way out. And when they've reached that point, then they find God. How much free will do we have? We have the free will to seek God or to reject Him. That's our free will. Otherwise, you're conditioned by so many actions of the past that it's possible to, for a wise man to predict when you want to go left and when you want to go right. What makes you want to do those things? That's where your lack of free will comes in. Is some predestination, predestined by you, however, not by anyone else. This makes you want to wear the kind of tie you're wearing today, for example. And that happens <clears throat> from all the past lives that we have? Yes. Predeterminations yes. from that. So where does belief factor into it? Belief isn't very important, but it is, it's what makes you start trying. If you didn't believe, then you wouldn't try. So you have to have belief in the beginning. But people who say that that you will be saved by your beliefs. Your beliefs won't save you. It's what you know that will save you. Belief is the hypothesis, you might say, of a scientist who believes that such and such a thing is true, but until he's done the experiments to find out whether they are true or not, he can't say, I know that it's true. So belief and faith are very different. So, Swami, in the Bible, there's a story where a woman touches Christ's uh, garment and is healed and he says that was your faith what does that mean it was her knowledge that he was a man of God and he said virtuous virtue hath gone out of me because she was able to pull on him because of that faith other people went to him they believed him and they didn't have that kind of drawing <clears throat> people who came to Yogananda with faith drew that attune from him but how how by well, as it says in the Bible, all those who received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. His purpose was not to show how great he was. His purpose was to show us what we can become too. As he said, what I've done, you could do. But to receive him means to be in tune with his consciousness. You can't get out of the ego by just affirmation. The ego itself is making that affirmation. But if you attune yourself to the consciousness of a true guru, you, take, you take his consciousness onto yours and you see things then from his point of view. You don't become him. Each disciple becomes himself. Once you find God, you find the, you see, each person is unique as the child of God. God is ever new. And he deemed each person as a new manifestation of himself. So our attunement with the Guru doesn't mean we, we take on his personality, but we take on his vision of truth, which is that God is the true doer. I remember I was sitting one time thinking how 
wonderful it was to be his disciple. He was learning and absorbing so much, above all in the sense of bliss and love and so on. And he asked me to help him stand up and he looked at me in the eyes and he said, just a bulge of the ocean. The guru doesn't think of himself as teaching you. He feels that he is an instrument of God and he is only a wave on the, on the surface of the ocean of God. That's what we seek to become. And the interesting thing is that when we do find that this ego doesn't exist, we find a true self that is eternal. Each person, even merging in God, he has that memory of having been all these different people. He has that unique selfhood that is always there. So that if you pray to St. Francis who is merged in God, he will come back to you, not as some God product, but as St. Francis himself in that, that, that form.